0: today we are going to talk about the 2023 nba draft combine which starts this week i'm recording this uh in the morning on may 15th so it goes all the way from today the 15th until the 21st it's going to be all week but i'm going to break it down in terms of which players need this combine the most who has to do everything who can just pretty much show up peace out interview and that's it so let's get started Yeah, thank you so much for listening to Res Ball Pod here. We are going to be talking about the combine. Real quick, though, definitely want to promote my other show, the Woodward Pistons Draft Show, which is over on YouTube. Just search Woodward Pistons and you will find our YouTube channel. Please subscribe there. I have seven episodes. Five of them are up. The sixth one is going to go up to today uh, on the 15th, maybe tomorrow before the lottery. And then the other seventh one will come out on Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific time. So, again, please, please, please subscribe to that Woodward Pistons YouTube channel and check out the draft show we have over there. We've had fantastic guests, some of the best Motor City Hoops, Draft Deeper, Ignacio Risotto, Kellen Voss. You will see some awesome names in these next two episodes and in the next three episodes and beyond and give me some awesome people leading up to this 2023 NBA draft. So I've seen quite a few other previews for the 2023 NBA draft combine mostly trying to focus in on like the players that you know the draft evaluators want to highlight and say like oh, I really want to see this guy or like oh I think these are the five players to watch or whatever I like to be as comprehensive as possible so I am going to cover all 78 guys that are there I'm not going to give detailed analysis of them but I'm going to break it down in the following three tiers number one are guys who Don't need to do anything. They do not, do not, do not need to do any athletic testing. They don't need to play in the scrimmages that are there. They just need to show up, take measurements if they would like to, and then mainly interview. Some of them will probably not take measurements as well. And this is normally the top guys. People in this tier of guys who don't need to do anything typically are people who've been mocked in like the lottery or mocked up high. They have their draft positioning set to where really if they had one bad thing in there, like their measurements are bad or they have a bad scrimmage in the games, that's going to affect them and knock their stock down. So these are guys that have stock that's way, way, way up there that really they should not do anything. They don't need to do anything to improve their stock, in my opinion. After that, are players on the line is the next tier that I call it. And then players on the line for me are guys I think that could go either way. There are some of them that if they skipped out, I would be like, yeah, you know, I understand. And others that I'm like, you know what, you probably should. But if you don't, again, the the Part of this tier is like, if they didn't do it, I would understand it, but I think they're not as secure. And we'll break down this one a little bit more in detail to give an idea of why I say these players are on the line and which ones probably still don't do anything, and others that, like, I would really, really, really be shocked if they're like, nope, I'm just gonna show up, say hi, interview, and then go out. Cause I think there are a couple in this tier that absolutely need it. And then lastly, the final tier is players that absolutely have to do everything from the measurements to the athletic testing to playing in every last single scrimmage of the game they can this final tier are players that have to do absolutely everything because not only is their draft positioning not secure but with many of them NBA teams are like I like you but I don't know what you are even if they have scouts that are fans of them they still have to be able to sell them on their bosses they have to be able to sell them to other people in their scouting department to say look here at the combine they did X, Y, and Z. And when you're in a room full of other players that are amongst the top in your position or amongst the top in your draft class and you stick out, then again, it's an easier sell and can bump you up to be drafted. So let's start with the tier of the players who don't need to do anything. I'm going to give them an alphabetical order, and it's just going to be a quick little synopsis on each of them. I'm not going to go into stats like I have in the past. So this is the tier of guys who don't need to do anything. I believe there are 20 players that are there at the NBA Draft Combine who don't need to do anything. They can just show up, interview. They don't have to give measurements if they don't want to. They definitely don't have to play in the scrimmage games or do the athletic testing if they don't want to because their draft positioning is already solidified. And a lot of them are up high. So number one, Anthony Black out of Arkansas, six foot seven, like 195 pound guard slash wing. Fantastic playmaker, fantastic free throw shooter. Yeah, the question about the jump shot is still there, but that's more for like in individual workouts where teams will want to see that. And there are drafts out there, mock drafts out there by Top of talent evaluators that have Anthony Black at number five. So he has no reason to do testing or be in scrimmages here at the combine because his stock is super high for a lot of people. Next is Kobe Bufkin guard out of Michigan six foot four around 180 190 one of the fastest risers in this draft class I've heard from a couple different people from the no ceilings crew from Adam Spinella coach Adam Spinella of the box in one saying like it's hard to find a you know real weakness in kobe buffkin's game not to say that he doesn't have things he can improve on but you know normally there's like one or two things in the profile where like the defense is bad or man the shooting numbers aren't good or nah, at guard they don't really have a mid-range game buffkin has all of these different things and again he has worked his way up from being somebody nobody talked about now to being a surefire lottery pick in my opinion he has no reason to do anything here at the combine kobe buffkin out of michigan as the michigan Um, Again, I say go blue. Number three, Grady Deck out of Kansas, six foot eight. About 205, 210, somewhere in there, forward slash shooting guard. Second best, maybe the best shooter in this draft class. I think he's the best shooter in this draft class. Really, it's between he and Brandon Miller. Was number one, number two option for Kansas pretty much every single night. Can shoot in a variety of situations, off the catch, off the bounce. Has a good inside the two-point arc game. The athleticism and defense are questionable, but again, this is a guy that's pretty much a guaranteed lottery pick. There is no reason for Grady Dick out of Kansas to do anything at the NBA Draft Combine. Next is Keontae George out of Baylor, six foot four, about 180, 185 pound guard out of Baylor. Again, if you listen to Rafael Barlow in NBA Big Board recently, he has talked a lot about Keontae George. And finally, 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 somebody else is talking about the injury, the ankle injury that Keontae George has been playing through. Also, that he seemed to be playing a little bit heavier than he's used to. But man, the level of shot creation that Keontae George could be as a freshman on a team that had a bunch of seniors on it where they turned turn the offense over to him because of his high-level ability to create shots from just about anywhere. Also, the athleticism is what... Rafael Barlow was arguing about is like, he didn't pop because of that angle injury. So now when you see him in these workouts and teams get him in individual workouts, they're like, oh man, he really does have bounce. And these are the things that at Baylor he was held back from because he was dealing with an ankle injury. Also was playing out of position, like I keep saying, at the small forward position. There's just no reason for Keontae George to do anything other than individual workouts now to show teams he was healthy and just have that athleticism pop. Next is Jordan Hawkins from UConn, national title winning player, shooting guard, second or third best, third or fourth best shooting guard in this draft class after either Grady Dick or uh, Brandon Miller. Movement shooter, solid defender, pretty good athleticism, compares you know, pretty favorably to somebody like KCP, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, who is playing and balling out for the Denver Nuggets right now. Helped LeBron and co. win a title in LA. I miss KCP as a Piston fan. I really wanted him to work out. In Detroit, Jordan Hawkins can be that exact same type of player. Maybe not a dynamic off-the-ball creator, but again, he has his fans. So many people in the last month have mocked him in like the top 10 I don't think he escapes the lottery, there's no reason for Jordan Hawkins to do anything at the NBA Combine. After that, Scoot Henderson, I mean, presumed number two overall pick Scoot Henderson, do I even need to say why he doesn't need to do anything? at the NBA Combine, probably more the medical things just because of injuries he sustained, especially the concussion stuff, to see if he's okay and cleared there. Like 6'2", 195, point guard, been comp to like Derrick Rose, John Wall, these high-level point guard prospects that are always in contention for the number one spot, regardless of the era. There's no reason for Scoot Henderson to do anything because if you're the number two pick, you just gotta show up, clear medicals, and then walk on that stage after Victor Wimanyama. Next we have Taylor Hendricks, 6 foot 9, 210 forward out of UCF. Another guy that has slowly but surely been climbing up into the top 10 and he's the player that I've heard the most chatter about at water Pistons, every time we've done a live stream or every time I've dropped a video in the chat, in the comments, everybody's asking, is Taylor Hendricks the top five pick? I don't think he is, but I, I would understand why. And again, this is why Taylor Hendricks does not need to do anything at the NBA Draft Combine because people are that high on him to where they're like, we should consider him in the top five, 6'9, 210, great defender, good shooter, not much of an on ball creator, but man, when you have that level of shooting and shot blocking, defense at that size you are highly touted and i would be shocked if taylor Hendricks was not a top 10 pick next we have a surprising probably the most surprising name on the guys who do not need to do anything and that's bobby clintman out of wake forest if you're like who in the world is that well he really came on radars once he announced he was going to enter the nba draft and test the waters about a month or two ago Bobby Clintman is coming out of Wake Forest, 6'10", 225 pound Ford. You'll look at the stats and they are pedestrian to be fair. 5.3 points per game, 4.5 rebounds, 0.8 assists, 0.5 steals, 0.6 blocks. Shooting splits were 44.6% from two, 36.8% from three, and then 74.3% from that free throw line. Pre-draft is the word I am looking for here. And why Bobby Clintman is on the guys who don't need to do anything less is because he's already pulled his name out of the NBA draft combine, which many people assume means he has a promise from somebody saying he's going to get drafted. There have also been reports that he's let Wake Forest know he's not returning next year. So if you pull your name out of the NBA combine to where you don't test and don't measure up to everybody and you're telling your college you're not coming back that means that probably somebody gave you a promise. Six foot 10, 225, has a lot of tools, can play small forward or power forward. We'll see either way. He is athletic enough to play small forward, in my opinion, at 6'10, 225. Solid shooter. We'll see how that turns out and where he ends up getting drafted. But Bobby Clinton, another one, pulled out his name from the combine, told Blake Force he's not going to be drafted. So we'll see who promised him. Next is Derek Lively, the second from Duke fantastic shot blocker one of the best centers in this draft class about seven one seven feet like 230 even when he was getting barely like five minutes ten minutes a game he was still blocking like one or two shots every night and if you think of somebody like nick claxton at the base level like that's what Derek lively is there were people that thought he could be a shooter coming into the year I don't know if that will come out. That might be something that comes out in individual workouts, too. And that's one of the main reasons why I say he doesn't need to do anything. If you want to show your shot, you know, shot ability from three and a little bit further out, it's easier to do it in the individual workouts than to do it under live fire and just have like one or two bad stretches that knock you down. And Derek Lively is another one that the more you dive into the tape, you see the defensive abilities, the shot blocking pops no matter what pretty good rebounder so and just say he seems like somebody who has more to lose trying to get in these games than have a draft position solidified probably within the top 20 right now next is brandon miller again presumed number three number four pick for a lot of different people has been considered number two for so many different people he's gonna get interviewed a lot about the incident where his car and perhaps the gun was in his car which ended up you know causing somebody to be murdered so he'll be questioned about that i assume a lot here at the combine on the court he answered just about every question great shooter from three six foot eight six foot nine 200 solid defender at that size too when you're considered number two or number three pick again you don't have to do any of the athletic or any of the scrimmages next chris murray out of iowa Six eight six nine, Around two twenty two thirty, is what Chris Murray is listed at, I believe. 215, excuse me. 6'8", 215. I always get his height and weight mixed up, so my bad. Fantastic scorer. Probably more of a catch-and-shoot-and-like supplementary player than his brother Keegan. But, man, solid 3 and D type forward prospect. I know I don't like to throw those out, but I, I will put them on guys that I think like... You look at this type of skill set and you're like, oh, immediately he can be that that guy that's in the corner like you know, PJ Tucker or somebody that's like Torian Prince or Dory Finney-Smith, Royce O'Neill, These guys you don't think about, but then you look and you're like, oh, they actually are great defenders. They're always supplementary skill guys that space the floor and do these other things. Chris Murray has nothing to lose. He's definitely solidified himself in like top 25, I would think. James Nagy is another one who I think doesn't need to do anything. Like 6'10, 220, 230, just a beast, 18, 19 year old kid. But man, he is built like a tank, has a great motor. Coming out of the Barcelona development program, which is one I highly believe in, they don't just develop anybody. Great energy, great strength really a monster on the glass, a good athlete. So this is somebody that projects as a rim runner. I've heard the name Jalen Duren thrown out a little bit with him just because Duren was the same way of like, man, he's built like a tank and he's so young and the athleticism pops. I think Najee's actually more instinctual and better in terms of like knowing where to be on defense partially because when you're developed in one of the top teams in the world, in Barcelona, and the development system, they teach you defensive fun Fundamentals as one of the first things to get you actual minutes on the court. So that's why I think James Najee doesn't need to do anything there. I would be shocked if he wasn't a first rounder. I think if he showed up and like, you know, the awareness or he wasn't getting the ball as much to pop, it's probably going to damage his stock. So James Aji's is one of the ones I don't think needs to do anything. Next is another foreign guy overseas, dude, Ryan and repair from the New Zealand Breakers training over here in Dallas right now as well. The NBL playoffs to me solidified him as like in my top 20, maybe even the top 15 when all things, you know, come out, just the level of defense that he was able to to display such a young age again this is like a 19 year old kid and they relied on him in their playoffs where they Took a deep run into the the playoffs with the NBL playoffs. And they're like, OK, kid, you're the primary, you know, man to man. You're the primary wing defender. Speaks volumes to his abilities. And yeah, the offense still is a question, especially the jump shot. But again, that thing of if it's where it's like one specific skill, but you're already got all this buzz behind you. That always screams to me individual workouts to where you can show them this is where my jump shot's at. And then you can interview here. You can do medicals measurements and things at the combine but you don't need to be put in the game because your stock is already pretty high and then next is Marcus Sasser um, oh I forgot brain repair about six 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 seven two hundred somewhere around there wingspan is really like amazing for repair He's something like seven three seven four wingspan just a condor out there finally Marcus Sasser here from the University of Houston He was somebody that super stood out at the combine last year and was one of the big winners that everybody highlighted six foot one about 180 190 fantastic volume shooter a very good defender point of attack guy at the point guard Again, he already established himself last draft cycle he showed himself to be the man in Houston, to me, I don't think he needs to do anything. I would be another guy that I would be kind of shocked, honestly, if he didn't end up at the end of round one, at the very least somewhere in like 31 to 35, because he solidified himself last year in the combine. Everybody, every talent evaluator that was there knows he can ball out. And then Houston came back, helped them to make another run and then say they a title. There's really nothing he can do to improve his already good stock. 15 is Bryce Sensabaugh out of Ohio State, like 6'6", 235. He'll probably need, like, the measurements and especially the body fat thing. He's one of the ones that's, like, stupidly everybody's just focused on the body. I understand conditioning and whatnot, but to me, I mean, that might just be his natural size, too. And he had 34% usage, so the cardio was fine to me uh, in that regard. But I think there are a lot of other teams that want to know about his physical fitness level. And then the other thing is injuries. He did have knee injuries in the past, so the medicals will definitely want to get there if they can at the Combine. But, I mean, there are legit people out there like Corey Talibah, like uh, Brian Jay, who have comped Sensabaugh to some pretty high guys like DeMar DeRozan or like a Paul Pierce. And especially the Paul Pierce one, honestly, it's not that bonkers to think because Pierce, again, is another guy that like wasn't a fantastic body guy, was built on tough shots, was always a good shooter, which is what Sensabaugh is. And we see more and more fans of of Sensabaugh's. I just think if he participated, it would just give more fuel to his haters more than anything else. So he's another guy that does not need to be in there because I think he has enough fans that he's going to get picked probably within the top 50. 15. Don't be surprised if somebody falls in love with him in the top 10. Next, we have the Thompson twins, Amen Thompson, Asar Thompson. Again, they don't need to prove anything. They've been top five locks, top 10 locks, maybe for Asar. All year, more and more people have come around to Asar as well. And again, the shooting is a big concern for them, which, like I said before, individual workouts, Amen in 6 7, about 209, 205, somewhere in there point guard that can dish out the rock, walking paint touch as Sam Ficini described, and then Asar, fantastic supplementary skills, a great cutter, also a good passer and he's the one that really developed the jump shot if you followed me all draft cycle and this show and across the other shows again i've been banging the table that assar went through shooting slumps up down 1 of 17 in the preseason for 5.9% and then first 10 games of his season 36.1% final 6 games in their regular season 20.8% and then the playoffs he finished with 38.5% on 39 threes in that five playoff game run These are just things that people will see again and they've already had this this high-level buzz. They're already high-level athletes. They don't need to prove anything to anybody. Next we have Jarris Walker, 6'8", 240, again anchored a Houston defense that had national title aspirations. Another thing I've said a lot is just it's very rare. You see a freshman come into a team with national title aspirations that they just turn the defense over to him and say you're going to be our foundation. Incredibly rare. Another guy that has many, many, many fans out there and can be somewhere between an OG and an OB and a BAM and a bio, in my opinion. So, yeah, Jairus Walker doesn't need to do anything, nor does Kaysen Wallace, who Kaysen Wallace, you know, the Drew... The Drew Holiday comparisons have been there since the preseason. They've continued. The more and more you watch the sky, the more you just see that Drew, compar- Drew comparison is 100% spot on Kaysom Wallace. Doesn't need to do anything. Everybody already has that solidified. So if you love Drew Holiday, it's just a, a matter of like, where in the top 15 do you want to take the next Drew Holiday? And then finally, we have Cam Whitmore. Cam Whitmore has worked himself back into top four consideration, in my opinion, so does not need to do anything six seven two thirty two great athlete fantastic shooter there was a tweet that somebody tweeted out of him doing his vertical max jump and he's clearing like every last single one of those you know flags you have to touch i mean it's ridiculous that's the picture there says it all don't go to the combine just interview cam whitmore doesn't need to do anything All right, so that does it for the tier of players that do not need to do anything. We'll break this up into three episodes so it can be in little chunks rather than having like an hour and a half long episode. So this is part one of three. Next time and really quick follow up right after this are players who are on the edge who may or may not need the NBA draft combine and may or may not need to participate in drills or scrimmages there. So we will just follow this up super quick. I'm going to.